0: Welcome to the Fintech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 379. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Fintech Nexus. Before we get started, I want to remind you about our comprehensive news service, Fintech Nexus News not only covers the biggest fintech news stories our daily newsletter delivers the 10 most important fintech stories into your inbox every morning and we have special editions for latin america as well as uk and europe stay on top of fintech news by subscribing at news.fintechnexus.com slash subscribe Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome Brock Blake and Donata Ramnishta. They are with Lendio. Brock is the CEO and founder, and uh, Donata is uh, the chief strategy officer. Wanted to get them on the show because I feel like they've done some really interesting work when it comes to small business lending. Lendio has been a leader for some time and now they've sort of, they're taking it to the next level. We talk about the PPP and how that has changed small business lending and really enabled this kind of new era to happen. They introduced this new concept of the three capital C's. We talk about that in some depth. We also talk about the small business owner and what options they have and how they go about the process of deciding what type of financing to get. And we talk about real-time, real-time access to data, real-time capital, and it's, I think, a really exciting concept and one that I'm really bullish on. Anyway, it was a fascinating discussion. hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Brock and Donata. Thanks,
1: Peter. It's always good to be with you and always to uh, share a stage or the podcast with Donata, (laughs) whatever it might be.
2: (laughs) Well, thanks to both of you. Looking forward to this conversation.
0: Welcome back, of course, Brock, as you've been on the podcast before. Donata is your first time, so thank you. Let's kick it off just by giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Well, let's start with you, Donata. I first met you when you were at American Express a few years back. So why don't you give us some of the highlights of what you've done in your career to date?
2: Believe it or not, I can now consider myself a veteran of the fintech space. Oh, I
0: think that's fair. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I must have started when I was a teenager, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But I have been in the fintech space now for over 10 years, right? So soon when fintech sort of was born, starting with American Express, when they first launched and began the journey to create non-card lending. So from that inception and joined Lendio six years ago in this endeavor to support the journey of small business and lead strategic partnerships. And through this journey, I've had the privilege to wear many hats within the company. But ultimately, the nice thing about Lendio is that there is one thing that defines all of our job responsibilities, and that is to solve for the small business owners and be able to fuel them So they can reach their dream of entrepreneurship by access to capital. So my recent responsibility is being the chief growth officer of Lendio and looking at opportunities of how we continue to extend our mission via strategic partnerships, via that with referral partners, financial institutions, so we can continue our mission to fuel the American dream and fuel small business.
0: Okay. Well, we're going to get into all that in a little bit. But Brock, why don't you give us a, a little bit of history and background on you?
1: Co-founder and CEO of Lendio. you know, Really started entrepreneurship right out of school. Won an entrepreneurial competition. Won $50,000. Started a business that was helping business owners connect to angel investors and VCs. Made every mistake in the book. That was a really, really challenging business. But what we learned from that is that the demand for capital was high from small businesses. We just were going about it the wrong way. So we kind of used those learnings to launch Lendio in 2011. And I can't even believe that to say, you know, we're 11 years into this journey and love where we're at. I believe we've got not only we've accomplished some amazing things, but we've got a bright future ahead of us.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So how do you describe Lendio today for someone who doesn't know about you guys?
1: it's a financial ecosystem financial platform for small businesses and the lenders that provide them capital if we think about those two customers for the business owner we envision a world where small businesses survive and thrive and they make it easier for them to get access to capital we envision a world where a business owner never has to go actually fill out a loan application again where they always kind of have this ongoing we call always on application or in a world where lenders, can efficiently through technology offer loans to small businesses and they can reduce their customer acquisition costs and things like that. So we're trying to bring this world together and make it more efficient. There's a lot of different players are part of it, but that kind of platform where all of that happens and we have connection points to those two different players is the way people should think about when
0: Right, right. Okay. So I would love to get your sense on now that we're... We're removed from Paycheck Protection Program was a huge deal. I remember Brock, you were really active in the very early days of that program. Lendio was highly active. But now we're you know over a year removed from really the end of it all. And I'd be curious to see with this distance now that we have, how do you think the PPP, you know, how do you think it's really changed small business lending in this country?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll start and then Danada, I'd love for you to jump in as well. So I think we look at it from two different perspectives. From the business owner perspective, prior to the pandemic, I think there was some reticence around getting a loan. like It was like a negative connotation that I needed a loan or it was bad. And I think that the Paycheck Protection Program and this whole SMB lending being kind of center stage makes it you know, a little bit more acceptable. So from that perspective, I think there's some positives. Some of the negatives from the small business owner perspective is that the idea that money is free, that I can get a paycheck protection loan and I can get it forgiven and I don't, you know, ever have to pay that back. And so, you know, there's some learning curves that you're going through from that perspective. I think the area that I'm most excited about from this, the growth of SMB lending is what's happened on the banking side because banks prior to the pandemic, they were focused on loans greater than a million dollars. They couldn't profitably underwrite a loan that was $50,000 because they have these manual underwriting processes and committees and whatnot and we all know about. But during the pandemic, their branches were closed. And I mean, the government really forced banks to focus on smaller customers. And this was one of the the banner flags that we were carrying as well, that the underserved, the true small businesses needed to get more attention during the pandemic. And that actually happened. Most banks were able to do two things. They were basically offer small PPP loans and they were able to offer loans without going into the branch, whether it was done through email or online or whatever. And because of that, banks got a taste of online lending. They got a taste of these smaller loan customers. And I think they liked it. And coming out of it, I think the coming out of the pandemic, you got banks that are in a very different mindset than they were before. They always talked about going digital, but now they're embracing and now they're seeking it. Now they're looking for partnership opportunities. And we've been talking about this evolution for a long time. I do think that it will accelerate it on the banking side and the winner will be the small business owner. Mm-hmm. Donata?
2: And what I would add to that is, we got to learn each side of the equations. So you've got the banks and you've got the fintech. And there was some sense at some point in the journey that there's some type of rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. That somehow we were going to eat each other's lunch. And the Paycheck Protection Program, what it showed is that actually there is an opportunity for each side to hone in on its strength and collaborate in order to perpetuate the mission of small business and together, you know, come at the other end and fuel small business. And that process of being forced into those solutions together did teach us to hone in on our strengths and continue that culture of collaboration forward.
0: Right, right. From my perspective, I feel like it's the PPP showed that fintech really had, had come of age in a way that uh, it hadn't before. I don't think, People really appreciated all the advances that we had. And I mean, obviously, there was some fraud in the program. There's going to be fraud in any government program. But it did so much good. And it showed the government and banks and fintechs together can really come together and work as a team to help small business. I've been a small business owner my entire career. So I'm very passionate about small business as well. And, and we were a recipient of the PPP. And it was a godsend for us. So, so anyway, then... A lot of businesses had an influx of cash. Many didn't need it. But are we back to like 2019 where demand for capital is back to where it was? Or is it still some sort of dislocation in the process that's come out of PBB? I mean, what's the state of small business lending today?
1: You know, the demand for capital is as high as I've seen it, especially recent. We have a lot of business owners. And I think that part of that is some uncertainty in the market you know are rates going to keep going up how's that going to affect business is there a looming recession coming and you know i think some of the get capital before you need it i think is happening and i also think that coming out of the pandemic you've got lenders that are eager to put capital to work and are looking to continue to grow and get back to pre-pandemic levels And so you've got this perfect storm where I don't feel like, you know, you look at some of the consumer and mortgage and other auto and other loans where they're seeing some softening and they're seeing some reduction in the volume and other things like that. We're not seeing that in small business. This last quarter was a phenomenal quarter as far as the volume that we've done, high watermarks, you know, Lendio being funded even pre-pandemic and whatnot. So The other kind of interesting aspect of the market as we look at it today is there's this blending of players who offers capital. And no one knows this better than Donata. She's leading kind of as our chief growth officer, this division we call partner solutions. You know, We used to talk about partners, which would be people that would send us small business referrals. Mm -hmm. And we used to say lenders, those that would lend capital. Well, now they're all under this umbrella of partners. And the reason why is because a lot of the partners are actually lending capital right. and a lot of the lenders are actually referring their right. declines and their turn downs. I mean, the bend of who those customers are, you know, whether it be, you got the Stripes and the QuickBooks Capital and, and the Square Capital and all of these, where there's just embedded finance, embedded lending is so hot right now, as far as, Hey, let's take that customer's data and leverage it to provide a great lending experience and proactively underwrite these customers and get them the loans they need. It's an exciting time and we could talk about you know the risks that exist or where we think the market's going. But right now, there's just a lot of energy in the market that we feel.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to go back to the session you had at our big event at FinTech Nexus USA a couple of months ago. Very entertaining session, which I will link to in the show notes. And Donato, I want to turn to you because you introduced a new concept, at least it was new to me, the idea of the three capital C's, because we talk about the, the five C's of lending, but what are the three capital C's?
2: Thanks for asking that, because at Lundia we can't stop talking about that notion. Look, Brock noted how traditionally small business lending has been overlooked because financial institutions applied the same measures that they would apply, frankly, to medium and commercial loans mm-hmm into small business loans. And we know that that process is indeed inefficient and it didn't necessarily support this notion for traditional financial institutions to invest in small business lending. And often traditional financial institutions saw small business lending as something that they had to do, right? It's, overly costly to issue a $50,000 loan, an $80,000 loan, given that same process that one would apply for higher loan sizes. So the notion of shifting the traditional five C's of underwriting, you know, when you look at character, that makes me actually cringe. Just <laughs> thinking of, enough, I'm looking at a small business from the character perspective. What does that even mean? Especially in light of wanting to reduce bias in underwriting, right? So at Lendio, we are thinking about the concept and pushing the concept that it is the three capital C's that should indeed overshadow really the five C's traditionally applied in underwriting. And those three capital C's are connectivity to data, The very importance of pooling information and data about small businesses, and it isn't just about historical performance. It's holistic data that allows us predictive behavior. It's correlation of that data, right? We apply technology to correlate pieces of information together and ultimately categorization. Well, I should say categorization first and then correlation, right? So Mm -hmm. there's this discipline of connectivity to data, categorization of data and ultimately correlation of that data that should enable how we underwrite small businesses. And really, when you look at sort of in raw layman's terms, that is indeed applying true AI to small business underwriting, allowing data not only to assess historical information on a small business, but also develop predictive behavior on where that small business will go based on decisions that have occurred in that small business process, right? So it's this notion that we enable the data to be able to allow for decisioning in small business underwriting versus getting to nuances of character. Because what happens to small businesses who have thinner files, right? Mm -hmm. They still have the ability to access capital. They should have the ability to access capital. And by leveraging data appropriately, we can enable that while still managing risk appropriately? Because that's also very important.
1: Those that will benefit the most from this will be those that are underserved today, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses or others. And it wasn't intentional. I don't want to demonize banks or others that were underwriting based off of you know this character. But you can just look at the data and they were underserved comparatively. When you evaluate a business based off of data points that are like, what is the true health of that business? What's the probability of payback? And and remove some of those other demographic or biased information, then what we believe is and will continue to happen is some of the underserved small businesses will be on an even playing field.
0: Okay, can I get a sense then of what data you're talking about? Is this, Are you talking about accounting data, inventory data, and what are you talking about?
2: When we reference data, it's really every element that enables us to predict the health of a small business forward. So as I noted, traditionally, it has been the historical cash flow data alone that would enable predictive outcomes of, hey, if a financial institution would underwrite a particular business. Now we're pooling data such as what type of decisions is the small business owner making relating to the business what percent is their rent as a portion of the revenue that they generate and what does that collectively say what is that shown to say holistically within the segment that they operate in right so if you have a hair salon that spends x percent on rent in a particular geography as a percent of revenue Is that correlated to a particular outcome? So it's really assessing the small business, not just on historical, but their future potential, right? So every element of data becomes important, but small businesses aren't scrutinized on a particular one variable and be left out of their ability to access capital and grow their business, right? Mm -hmm. It is this holistic approach by looking at A multitude of data and how it correlates together that then we enable them to have a better chance at access to capital versus being knocked out because of one particular variable.
1: Let's take that one step further. Like she talked about categorization, like we used to look at bank data just raw, like, okay, what's their average daily balance? And let's underwrite based off that. But now, can you take the raw transaction data and can you start using machine learning? Can you take it and identify what is a balance sheet item versus what is a profit or loss statement item? You know, what is truly revenue, what is expense? And if you look at enough raw transaction data, auto-categorize that. And now we can start to like you say, oh, well, percentage of rent or percentage versus payroll, or we want data from any source we could possibly get, right? Whether it's payroll data, whether it's bank account data, whether it's from their bookkeeping data, other things like that. But it's taking the raw data and doing something with it to make smarter decisions and then correlate them together, piece them together in ways to be able to evaluate that business.
0: So from what you're saying, are you guys creating like your own next generation underwriting engine? Is that what you're doing?
1: We have a product we now offer to banks who we call Axis. And right now we're in kind of beta. We're not in stealth mode, but we haven't shouted from the rooftops yet because you know, we're still in beta. And the beta customers are traditional banks. And we love it because it's such a different mindset now than it was pre pandemic. They are like welcoming this. So, what we're doing is we're taking their credit policy and their underwriting. Like, what did you traditionally look at, which was kind of algorithmic A plus B equals C? Well, yeah, let's adopt that. And then let's put that on steroids and we're going to pull in. LexisNexis and Dun & Bradstreet and bank data. And all of this is only available because now we have open data, all these infrastructure players that let us go out and connect all these data sources that we didn't have access to a few years ago. We pull all that. We do a bunch of correlation. Is this business owner on the public search records, do they match? The answer to your question is yes, but we'll start shouting from the rooftops and making a much bigger deal come this fall.
2: What I would add to that, Peter, is Lendio also has the opportunity and the responsibility well first of all we have to acknowledge we've been operating for 11 years as that intersection of connecting small businesses the sources of capital so in addition to sort of looking at how financial institutions underwrite and adopting that into the rules engine we have the opportunity to offer those financial institutions the data and the information around small business behavior Because we do now have historical data across all different loan products within Lendio. Yeah, right. And I don't know what other financial institution does have that rich data across so many varied products and across various lenders like Lendio does. So again, I say that it's an opportunity, but also responsibility to then make something do with that data and offer it to our bank customers to enrich the way that they decision right? We do believe financial institutions have been doing business lending proper and in a certain way, but there's always an opportunity to take new information over 11 years of Lendio being at that intersection and enrich that process that they currently deploy.
1: One thing I'll add to that is that banks just historically haven't been able to compete. They can't compete with OnDeck. They can't compete with Innova and Cabbage and American Express and whatnot. They just... They didn't have the technology, they didn't have the sophistication, they didn't have the underwriting capabilities to compete. They might be able to offer a lower cost capital, but, you know, what it takes six or eight weeks to underwrite that process? Um, And so now what we have the ability to do is we have the ability to help them compete or deploy capital in an efficient manner through technology. And then a differentiator is that we're also, we have a marketplace let's give you the technology and then let's send you new customers. I mean, the fact that we can kind of do both together is a unique kind of differentiator for us, where it's not just the SaaS technology platform, and it's not just customers, we can do both.
0: Right, right. So I want to actually go back to the small business side of things, because there's so many different options for small business credit. Like, there's a term loan there's a credit card there's a merchant cash advance there's factoring asset backed lending there's all sorts of different types of products obviously the average small business owner is not sophisticated financial analyst what are you doing on that perspective like when a small business comes to lendio and they said we need money do you point them in a certain direction or how does that work
1: so business owners they don't come in knowing what product they need or want. They come in and they say, I need $78,000. We use that information and we now have done hundreds of thousands of loans, over $13 billion in loans across every industry, every geography, every category. We know which borrowers are getting approved and declined. And so that's part of our secret sauce is to be able to know when a borrower comes in, what data are we gathering from them? And we compare them to businesses that have come in before. Let's say a restaurant in Texas, we can look at the last 500 restaurants in Texas that have been funded. And we can say, okay, when they were offered across all these loan products and loan categories, when they were offered a bunch of different loan products, which offer did they select the most? And what we think about is if they have options and they choose one product more so than others, then that's probably the preferred product. that's the best fit for them. And if they meet that criteria, then they are going to rank the highest on our list, and then we'll rank it lower as we go on. So we're always optimizing for likelihood to accept the offer, and then we're comparing it against other businesses that are lookalikes, right? By time in business, by industry, by geography, other things like that. So. A core part of our promise is options, that they have three, four options to be able to choose from, that they speed, that it happens quickly, there's a trusted experience that we're going to deliver to them the best opportunities that they have available for them. Our system, and our technology is optimized to get them the best product and then kind of guides them through that experience.
0: You mentioned at the start, and I know you talked about it in your session at our event, there's this sort of on-demand loans where you don't actually have to fill out an application, the software that you're using knows that you're going to be running short of capital in two months time or for whatever. How close is that to reality today?
1: There's two things that have to happen. So Mm -hmm. the technology exists. We're able to do that for our small business owners. You have to get access to streaming data. You have to get permission from the customer to give you access to streaming data, which means you have to add value to them. So they're saying, Oh yeah, I'm willing to give them access to the streaming data. We made an acquisition a few years ago. We called our Sunrise product, which is this full fledged accounting, bookkeeping, cash flow management tool that syncs to their bank account every day. With those customers, that we have, you know, access to their bank data regularly and their invoice data, their APAR data, we have the ability to alert them when uh, cash is low or we can forecast out for them when they're going to need a loan. We can give them alerts. So we just did this last week. We actually, Sunrise was a separate product for Lendio. You had to like leave Lendio, go sign up in Sunrise and whatnot. We actually just brought those two pieces together. So your capital experience and your financial cash flow management experience, it's now one under Lendio. So every business owner that signs up now gets access to both of those tools. So now it's becoming a reality at a much bigger scale than what it's been heretofore, because not everyone went to our Sunrise product, if that makes sense. Got it. Got
0: it. Okay. So let's talk about the banks you're working with. I mean, you talked about the changes that the PPP brought as far as mindset for banks, but particularly the smaller banks, I imagine, that don't really have great internal IT capabilities. Are you able to work with all different kinds of banks?
2: You are correct. But the way that we've attempted to solve with our access platform for financial institutions, and like Brock mentioned, we are in beta phase with two of the traditional financial institutions specific with access, is to enable those banks with little effort to integrate with access. And when I say little, it's in context, right? There's still a process by which we have to exchange information and API connectivity. We help them with all of that. But the heavy lifting doesn't really lie on the fi side right so we've taken and solved for that integration to be as seamless as possible because we do recognize they don't have a staff of engineers on the other side to be able to solve for it so that's the approach that we've taken and frankly part of our sort of rollout around having multiple betas is to ensure that when we go to general market, that we're ready for that integration to be seamless, right? We're attempting to solve for it because we recognize it is a hindrance to the process. The other part in working with financial institutions, traditional financial institutions, that we have to recognize in a hurdle that we're collaborating on, is ensuring that we get regulators on board as well, right? So as you know, regulators, they all mean well, They want to ensure that they're protecting small business. But sometimes regulator expectations does hinder financial institutions in the way that they behave. Mm -hmm. So we're working very closely with them to make sure that we're getting regulators on board to say, we're all on the same side here. We're trying to solve to ensure that we get capital to Main Street America. So those are the issues. There's a technological issue And then there is the portion of getting the regulators on board and generating comfort there. And then the great opportunity then, it's clearly seen, especially by the small community banks who want to deploy capital in their local communities. They see the potential for growth via injection of technology in the process.
0: Yeah, that's great because that's still so important. A lot of small businesses like to bank with their local community bank or credit union. You now That's a really big driving force I know for many small businesses. So we're almost running out of time, but a couple of topics I want to get to. And that is, you know, we've lived through this multi-year period of low interest rates. I mean, if you actually go back to like 2008, and we've lived through like 14 years of abnormally low interest rates, and now rates are higher than they have been. And how is that kind of impacting you know access to capital for small businesses are some of them being priced out or what's the state of play there?
1: The most important thing on small business and the rates, we get this question all the time is that the small business rates are not tied as closely or directly correlated to like the consumer mortgage rates. So it's right. not like this evolution like that changes every single month based off of the Fed rate. Small business, most banks have already priced in margin. And so they're already starting, even when the rates were very low, they were going to be higher than a mortgage or auto or consumer loan. And what that means is they don't fluctuate as much either. The rates go up a little bit. It's not going to have a significant impact on what the banks are going to do is because they already have built-in margin. They have to. They have to be able to price that in. For our fintech lenders. You know, a lot of times their capital is coming through warehouse lines that are negotiated over many years. It may be tied to a prime rate or other thing like that. It may be the difference between 16 and a half percent rate versus a 17 percent rate. It's not enough to influence the borrowing behavior enough when they're making such an important ROI decision. So the rates are something that we're watching now. If there's significant impact as far as them doubling or, you know, other things like that, then I think it would have a negative impact on borrowing. But as we see it right now, like I said at the beginning, the demand for capital is high, supply for capital is high, and we're not seeing that kind of one-for-one change as we do in some of the consumer side. Right,
0: right. Okay, so I'd like to close with each of you answering this question, if I could. What are you most excited about when it comes to the future of small business in this country? Donata, I'll start with you.
2: You're starting with me, but I am going to steal this from what Brock shared at the last Lended conference. Okay. I love the journey that we at Lendio believe small business lending will evolve to in a very near future. And that is the journey going from this notion of how we used to use MapQuest to get from one place to the other, to now the evolution into ways where... Small business lending will be enabled with real time data and a very slick customer experience to enable small businesses to focus more on what they do best, which is run the small businesses and their ability to view access to capital as a real time sort of notion, right? At any point in time, they can see what their eligibility is right based on data and information that will be integrated that will be a game changer and that gets me uber excited about the future of small business and frankly what that will translate to is the future of our economies because you know we keep talking about it but ultimately small business is indeed what fuels economies so i am excited and then the other thing is we're not going to forget about small business anymore. There is a spotlight in it and it's not going away. And I'm stoked about it. And I'm stoked that we at Lendio get to participate in shining that light and solving for it. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. Brock, last word. I would echo what Danada said, but I would add to it that I feel like since 2008, so much of kind of this advancement of lending has all happened outside of banks. Banks have provided warehouse lines and capital, and you know, but they actually haven't really embraced online lending the way that they could. And uh, whether it was technology, and there's a lot of reasons why. And I think that in three to five years from now, you're going to have every bank in America. That offer small business, they're going to have a similar experience to what you would have today if you went to any one of the fintech lenders. I really, truly believe it's finally, though we've been talking about this for a long time, it's finally the moment where banks will embrace that. And I think it required PPP for this to happen, right? Because they were forced to. They literally had no other options but to accept it, and because of that, they're like, "Okay, it's not so bad. We can do this. You know, this is good for us." So I'm super excited when, when a business owner can have that type of experience from every bank in the, in America. Now I have options in across every loan product and lower capital. And, and it's just good for the small business. Like We're thrilled to be a player in it and participate in that advancement and the innovation that's occurring.
0: Okay, we'll have to leave it there. Brock and Donata, it's always so much fun to chat with you guys. So thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Thanks for having us, Peter. Thank you.
0: You know, listening to Donata and Brock chat there, I mean, it feels logical to me that, we, of course, we should be using real time data. We should be going from the old map quest of 20 years ago to ways today where it's pulling in real time data, it's rerouting you if there are problems. And that's kind of how access to capital should be. And as we say, we're not far off. I mean, I feel like being a small business owner today is easier than it was 10 years ago. There's a lot more availability of services and tools and what have you and capital. And boy, when you look through the next five years, next three to five years, it is going to get even more interesting. And I think the the small business owner is going to be the winner. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye.